For almost a decade on my TV show, Interview with Ed, I've been interviewing extra-dimensional beings and consciousnesses from a number of different realms. Many of my questions have been answered, but with every answer comes more questions. Join me on my ongoing quest to find out who are we, why are we here, and where are we going? Yes, welcome everybody um, to this marvelous Sunday. I'm a little sleep deprived because I, I, once again, I was editing part two, finishing that till the wee hours. And then my cats decided to have a a squabble at six in the morning. Um, so a, a little tired today, but I was just sharing with Gail how in the short time that the, you know, the episode has been open to the members, just the amount of positive love, heartfelt, good comments about just the part one. You guys haven't seen part two yet. And then Gail, you had a great response. So share what you said. Oh, we were just talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I was telling Ruben that what I was feeling was that um, he has really paved the way with all this consciousness um, rising interface with all of the guests and bringing people into the two worlds, the many worlds. And yet it feels like Lyrica, her soul group, really kind of bring the polish into the heart, bring that consciousness from the head down into the heart. And um, I hope that maybe we can do a little bit of that dance today. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hanging out with you guys off and on, you know, for the past 10 years and then uh, trying to figure it out in my head kind of thing. It's like, how do I figure this out? So then I can convey it in a mental presentation. I guess, you know, it's just the, 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 the guy part of me, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I've said this before, but in the beginning, I didn't believe in fairies and unicorns. You know, I, I mean, I liked unicorns, but I didn't know that they were real. And uh, and then during this journey, I'm like, oh, man, my unicorns are real. Okay, fairies are real. Dragons, wow. Okay. Um, and that slowly had been bringing me back, bringing me into the heart space. Uh, the This, oh. this uh, suspension of disbelief in certain things and only believing in other certain things yeah aliens are real but the rest of it's not so having to let all that go and come into a um a more heart-centered space has been key and thank you gail lyrica for for helping me with that you know helping me do the, this journey over the years you wanted to do something special to open with i'll just hand the uh the show to you for a second and then we can kind of go from there Okay, well, thank you, Ruben, and thank you, members, for your presence and your support. I thought it would be fun to bring you all into our present timeline, because a lot of what's been presented, even in the episodes, are a little bit in the past. And I know all of you, along with us, have just gotten through this light of space portal, and it's, it's been a big life shakeup thing for us. And the way we see it is very interesting. Obviously, there's the linear calendar. I call it the mainstream calendar that goes from January 1st to December 31st. But for Lyric and I, as energetic beings, we really run a different calendar. We run our calendar from August 8th until August 7th. That's, it's the Lion's Gate year. And so as we cross that, that transition from last year into this year, it's a real time for harvesting all that we've gathered in the last year and celebrating it. And so Lyrica and I are certainly have our book to celebrate. And now these two shows that will eventually be on Gaia are kind of like the crown jewels. And yet that brings us to really a brand new 
a brand new year and lots of seeds planted that get to be brought to light. But Lyrica, Lyrica, the way I would describe it is you're kind of a, an energy chick, you know, um, as long as she's um, vibrating very strongly with some kind of purpose and sort of pushing it up the hill, she's um, on fire. But the minute there's this lull or this void, and she's kind of like a fish out of water. So as this, as our Lionsgate year ended, um, she was kind of like, you know, maybe it's just time for me to go. You know, maybe I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then thankfully, a, a couple of days ago in an energy session with her mentor, um, a wormhole came into her operating field and sort of tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, we have a relationship and we have a project to do. And, um, and so, you know, to me, it's like, oh my gosh, this is just really off over the top. Um, and so <sighs> Lyrica now is spending time, a lot of time in her power seat, which is in the garage, in the car. That's where she does this kind of what she calls non-physical build or patterning. And it's amazing, Ruben or group because she'll sit there for hours and just like not even move or flinch and I can go check on her and you know the door opens and you know I'm, I make noise and she's got her eyes are open they're in this very deep intensive trance and she never sees me or hears me hmm. um, wow. and and this whole thing started back in 2014 when we first moved to Sedona and she was doing this um, then back then and what she was doing at that time was she was telling me mom I'm seeing these pockets of um, distorted pockets of energy. And so I get to jump into them and I get to watch them change. And I get to watch them become these amazing, not only more organized, but, but beautiful. And eventually she was like magician creating all these energy mandalas and then throwing them into the higher grid above the earth grid. And what's interesting is that at the time we were spending time with our friend Michael, who will be in episode number two, and sometimes he joined Lyric in this patterning process. And they had a little joke between the two of them. And that was, who is the fastest patterner in the West? And we used to laugh about that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I keep asking her, Lyric, what with us back to this wormhole, what, what are you doing? You know, it's kind of like a kindergartner asking Einstein's, explain to me the theory of relativity. So the other night she was, she woke up in her sleep and I had the journal and the pen that I always do to capture whatever jewels might come through. And she was willing to write something and something that could be shared with the group about her, this latest episode of her energy. Oh. And, um, I guess the reason we really wanted to share it were, were a couple of things. Number one, it really mirrors Lyrica's abilities and superpowers and that of her soul group. They're really so at home in the quantum field. There are quantum field mechanics, engineers, alchemists, magicians. There's no end to what they are and what they can do in that domain. It's pretty foreign to most of us. And, and it's really and because of her embodiment, Lyrica's level of embodiment, she's able to not only operate in these fields, but to create and manifest um, more, more physic physicalized um, gifts for humanity and bring them deeper down into the earth plane and also tell the story about it. And the story is basically, this is who we all are. 
You know, we all have these abilities. This is the new human design. This is where we're going. This is why we need to step into the ascension journey. Um, okay, I'm going to let you, I'm going to read your, your part there. I know I'm talking a lot. <laughs> I get, I get wound up. It's, um, it's good stuff. I mean, and, and it's a lot to take in. I'm like you, Gail, trying to figure it out, trying to have these quantum physicists explain it to a, you know, a stunt guy. So <laughs> figure it all out. And uh, you, you're doing a great job. And I, you know, we're both trying to tell this story and figure this out as we go here. So it's awesome. So anyway, it's not very long, but um, we're just going to share it and then open it up to anybody that wants to ask questions or make comments. Um, you know, we'd love to have that interface. So she, she began in this new Lion Gate year. I received a terrific fun box call. I was brought into relationship with a wormhole to support its evolution into something new that feels important to earth and humanity. In my most expanded vastness, I know and feel this wormhole as a transit zone, yet for what purpose, I do not know. I have been tapped to support this development to reach its full potential. Yeah. And she says, why me? I'm a builder of non-physical structures working with energy patterns that inform new creation. This ability is demonstrated in more detail in our new book in a chapter called Etheric Build. This process operates under my soul's direction that I constantly hold, sometimes for hours at a time. My soul is sourcing and directing the energetics of this build's outcome even though I don't know what this wormhole truly is and will become. What I do know is that I am touching a light vastness where no human form or consciousness has been before. I'm not able to describe the astounding way that pure essence evolves from no form into more organized non-physical formations because it is so vast in its totality of light expression. But I love every minute that I am realized in my abilities and role as a builder of a new order of higher light creation. And this really is, brings the next part, brings it into really present time. Um, yesterday, I visited Sedona, my beloved horse. And mom was telling Adele about how my new timeline moved me into a wormhole, divinely sourced project. After that visit, suddenly I had a new team working with me. Jordy, one of my soul group beloveds, showed up. She was one of our team of four who worked on the etheric build project that I describe in our new book. Jordy is now decoding the source light design that I am holding to help facilitate the unfolding sequences of new creation. Sedona, my horse friend, is now helping to ground and stabilize each one of us in this entire process of new light creation. <laughs> wow, that's, that's uh, <clears throat> it, she, she actually brought me to some visions I've been having the past couple of days uh, about um, frequency to form. How does frequency become form? I was sort of having some visions of, um, I don't know, I, it was just a weird like vision that I had. And I'm like, interesting. Okay. It just came back in as she's describing this, this new form. And, and anyways, going off on tangents. 
since we have Michael here, who is in the show, and I think Susie Miller is also on the call, I'd love to introduce you guys. There's Michael. Perfect. Uh, Susie, do you want to un unmute? I didn't anticipate speaking, There's... but I'm glad to see you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just giving. Uh, I just wanted to give a little background. So, episode two, which Michael shows up, and we talk about the pyramid. What a huge contribution to Lyrica's journey since I've known you, Gail. Uh, and then Susie as well. I Actually, I know about Lyrica in a sense from Susie. You guys are all key components here. And there's many others. Uh, my special thanks credits and on episode two just go, you know, <laughs> it's a long list. So just really quick, maybe a, a, a quick introduction and how you know Gail and Lyrica and, and uh, if anything else you want to add. Uh, let's start with Michael. Oh, I think you're you're muted. Apparently, you have to turn your microphone on. <laughs> <laughs> you're such well, a wizard. I, I didn't know you had to do the manual. Uh, I know. Sometimes these days, you know, you just you know the little things slip by. Uh, well, they, uh, hi, Ruben. Good to be yeah. here. And hello, uh, Gail Lyrica. Uh, and uh, I was excited to hear your report here about the Lionsgate because we spoke about a week ago and I was curious to touch in with you and see if things had shifted at all this week. And apparently they have. And it's been a um, it's been a really potent last uh, Lionsgate uh, portal. So um, that's pretty exciting to hear. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, the vote's still out on who's the fastest patterner in the West, but not really because I'm out in Indiana now. So, Lyrica, it's all you. You are the fastest patterner in the West. And um, we'll pick up that debate again um, uh, next time I'm out in Sedona. Uh, and the only thing I, what I would kind of came to mind as you were actually sharing is that and for those who aren't really quite aware of how um, we're talking about these energies and how they're downstepped through the various different dimensions to come into physical form, there's a part of it where when you're tuning into a specific plane or frequency where you may get certain visuals, geometries, et cetera, um, and that Let's say those are presented from, I want to say, outside oneself, or it's not something that one's conjured up. But then we, the, all of us are gifted with, with something, everybody has, has one, and this is our tool for making alterations and changes to the grid that then, uh, then uh, propagates down into physical form, and it's our imagination. And so when we're, whatever we're imagining, it's like a sandbox mode where we can build within our imagination and then that can actually um, uh, uh, be kind of uploaded into the grid and then come into physical form. So to the extent that our imagination is free to move without bounds, uh, then we're really unlimited in what we can, um, we can create and manifest. In Lyrica's particular example, her, uh, her imagination is really unlimited kind of by comparison to most humans who've had that imagination, you know, shut down and constricted um, through the course of their lifetime. So 
she just naturally, boom, and she's not, she's not second guessing herself as she goes into these particular realms and begins to uh, create patterns that will eventually propagate down. Nurka, you want to say anything? My imagination is not how I relate to my patterning. I am so vastly intertwined into the totality of all life and all universes that my patterns, patterning seeds come in from this, it comes, yeah, it comes from this vast domain. I just have to be open to catch them. That's right. And that's, that's the, that's the propagation. And then, but, and then, uh, from the higher dimensions and then her, she, the other thing that, that Lyrica, she doesn't have the same fixed sense of self in terms of an ego construct that limits her ability to identify as the whole universe. And when you bring these things together, it makes, you know, she's just capable of doing amazing things that actually everybody is capable of um, if they didn't have such the limitations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Susie, you, you, so I, you know, just a quick backstory on how we, we met through Grandma Chandra and Kat. And then, uh, and then I think, I think, they had mentioned Gail and Lyrica, but then you were really, you were like, yeah, you should go see Gail. <laughs> and this was like, a, you know, what, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. And you've been working with, with uh, autistics, nonverbals, probably the whole spectrum, right? So maybe uh, from your experience, we'd love to hear not only your connection with Gail and Lyrica, kind of what we're talking about right now, uh, how, how Michael is saying, you know, there is... Uh, I think not just Lyrica herself, but many people in the autistic spectrum have this stronger connection to the other side than perhaps us earthbound <laughs> you know, in our heads people. So I've had the, yeah, I've had the privilege of knowing Gail and Lyrica for a really long time. And um, I've been working with uh, what started as nonverbal um, individuals back in 99 and wrote a book called Awesomeism uh, in 2008. But when I met uh, Gail and Lyrica, this was a little different story. And the way I, you know, I, I work with children every day, all day that have, I'll call them hyperdimensional gifts and, and are attempting, those children are attempting to sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, bringing those gifts back into this embodiment, you know, into their embodiment so that that energy and that mm, frequency, if you will, is available in this reality, supporting this reality. Lyrica is, in my estimation, is kind of a gift all of her own because she's really been, I'll say, setting the stage for this to happen in a faster way in a more global way. So just having the the opportunity to to dip in and out of 
Gail and Lyrica's life at different pivotal times. Um, what I really notice about her is that vastness of being has been attempting and has now succeeded in becoming embodied over probably her whole lifetime. But definitely within the time frame that I've known them, I've watched them, you know, be very purposeful and very conscious about this. And what we have to understand is that any one individual who is fully embodied here with the kind of frequency that um, Lyrica has access to, that impacts humanity as a whole. That's, you know, that impacts... I, I did a lot of work, I've done a lot of work with different physicists um, over my time working with um, this population. And mm. I remember Dr. Tiller used to always say, uh, he was a physicist from Stanford, he used to always say, one individual that literally embodies their totality impacts like, like hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge gift that Lyrica has been just by going through the process that she's been going through. And I really want to say to, to Gail, too, I work with families all day, every day, and the amount of dedication that it takes to really, number one, see your child beyond the physical realm and then be willing to see them um, in or their or their potentials within all of these other realms, that in and of itself is a, that, that's a tremendous soul. So um, you guys know I love you very much. And um, yeah. That's, we love you too, Susie. Yeah, that's what I have to say. Yeah, thank you, Susie. Um, uh, so yeah, that, you know, one thing as, as, as I was editing the, this, uh, the project going back to the old footage and, and, you know, I've like you probably Susie, I've dipped in and out of, of Gail America's life over the years and haven't been there, but just little specks of the time. Uh, and the amount of care and patience and open heartedness. And like, if you just come in for a quick interview, you don't really realize it or even it doesn't, I don't think we can put it into, um, our normal human lives, you know, uh, people like yourself and, and Michael and Gail and others who, you know, having the open hearted and the, under, the understanding how that vibrationally is shifting uh, the planet and shifting the individuals. Can I add just one thing? Really? Yeah, yeah. I want to say is that, you know, I mean, I think Lyrica has been an example to me and I know to many others, Gail and Lyrica both have. And this, when any one of us kind of follows our path, whatever unique path that is, I mean, it makes a difference. And I think that they're just a beautiful example of that, not just for the, the, um, the NBA, you know, population, but for, for the population, you know, it's like we just follow what we're, what we're graced to do in this world and just do it to the best of our ability. And, and they've done that in spades. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think something that came up a lot during the, well, overall with the show and, um, especially with Gail Lyrica is this, this, um, 
idea that society has to to hamper down or put uh, everybody in a box, right? And I think uh, that was uh, in the last uh, part of episode two, you know, the sort of uh, Lyrica's final words in the interview were, uh, maybe Gail, I'll let you, I'll, I'm going to butcher it, but you said something about um, doctors and lawyers, right? What, what was it? Oh. <laughs> Lyrica said if she, if she had one um, wish to change the world, it would be to um, deprogram um, parents pushing their children from early ages to become the classic um, sort of idiom as lawyers, doctors, Indian chiefs, to become famous, to become um, rich, to become, you know, successful. And, you know, Lyrica says, hey, that's a dead end street. But maybe they, but once they sort of follow that, you know, those that can or will wake up, you know, will sort of, their feet will find it a higher road to walk at some mm -hmm. point. They, maybe they just have to go through that. But um, yeah. That's and and we're that's we're talking we're touching into medical worlds and institutions we're talking into educational worlds and institutions because um, all of that is sort of upside as far as my as in my estimates it's all kind of upside down logic and certainly not soul related and without the soul you know we as humans are lost here you know we're just kind of in this revolving gerbil wheel of nothingness is the only way I pleasuring self pleasuring but it's it's pretty. At the end of the day, it gets pretty empty. How I saw it was um, be the, the nonverbals and just the autistic collective in, in general, maybe they don't feel the pressure from the parents as much to, to conform to this or that because of just who they are. So I think that goes into what Susie's sort of saying is from another perspective helps use gridding the planet and this awesome energy of... Uh, no BS, right? <laughs> Ruben, Lyrica wants to piggyback when you have a break there. Yeah, yeah, go, please go ahead. I would describe it as we are lightly incarnated, so we are totally soul connected. And by the way, this is um, shorthand typing in telepathy. We are totally soul connected. <laughs> and, and I have to say, um, Lyrica is just this, this automatic, decision maker. You know, if I have a decision to make, <clears throat> I do this wiggled step, which is, you know, back door, front door, you know, around the block. And I'm still trying to, you know, figure it out by the end of the day or the next day. You give Lyrica something to decide on. It's, it's this instantaneous love or hate. I mean, and not, not hate, but yes or no. And there's no wiggle. And it's because, <laughs> because she is so soul, um, choosing, you know, that, that there's not any kind of, um, any other agenda that gets in the way. And, um, I think that's part of, of the magic. Mm. Yeah, How would you describe I'm, it? Absolutely. Holy NBAs are <clears throat> not here to be human bonds in the game. They are here to bring the game into a higher reality where it belongs. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, it, it, you know, this journey, again, over the years has blown my mind. I'm just seeing the, the synchronicities. So we see in episode two, we had the, these other nonverbal autistics that you've been working with, Gail, you and you, Durka, um, have been 
working with off and on over the years. And the synchronicities was when I was, you know, I was out there filming you guys. I think that was 2015. And you guys were doing that work together. But uh, what was so cool was Roxanne, who's been on the show, is uh, good friends with Connie. And when Roxanne's talking about, um, uh, I think she's talking about the Hummer that she received uh, filled with gas in our interview. I, at that time, I had no correlation that these things were connected, that that was Connie, who was the Connie that you've been working with. Daniel, if I got that right, I think that's it just... That was a synchronicity. We just found out that Haruko, who was who made a guest spot in my last episode and it, with uh, Lowell's um, interview and her artwork, that uh, you guys have worked with her when she was back in Sedona. This world, it's interconnected in ways that I, I would have never imagined. I just wanted to throw out the, the synchronicities and I guess like vibrations attract, right? Gail, how do you and Lyrica feel about maybe taking some questions? Because I'm sure... That there's a lot to cover. And Roxanne, you there? I just want to add in the synchronicity is like uh, after our interview and I was going about my now, I fell in love with an autistic man. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So we've awesome. been dating since 2000 and we moved to get we moved in together. September, uh, February 2016. And we've been together since. And um you know, when you, when, when, when she had said that, uh, you know, MBAs, we don't have the fear that how you perceive the idea of choice, it's either hot or cold, yes or no. The one, the first thing I discovered about Tommy, um, helping me rip apart my own belief systems was the inability to lie. Mm. Phenomenal. The absolute 100% inability to lie. There's no value. There's no, it's like, uh, there's a cliff. Um, I can jump off of it, but I won't. He is aware of lying, but he just never would value that as a choice, which was just amazing. And of course, his absolute um, un unrelentless or relentless, unyielding ability to let me to be myself. Just a complete unconditional sounding board so I can bounce off and see my own stuff. Good to so I just wanted to add that in there that Amen. you're right from the synchronicities are, you know, we call them synchronicities, but if you look at it in a bigger scope, it's the attraction of vibration in it. And one thing I know about reality, vibration doesn't fail. Mm. It might fail up here, but it doesn't fail here. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for letting me take that. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for right. popping in. And uh, I sort of asked, uh, you know, a lot of, you guys to come in today for this reason, you know, because there's so many dots to connect and it's really, it was really hard in the interview. In fact, we did, you know, over, over the years, we've done several interviews. We, we reconnected after a lull and then uh, we did an interview in a hotel. And then I just realized, you know, okay, we need to start it from scratch. My understanding of the stories is, has evolved. So uh, it's just, it's amazing the connections. It's amazing the the story that's sort of unfolded itself. And I'm so happy to hear Lyrica seems to have some new uh, what, what do you call it the juju to to continue to keep the story going. She's got she's got another timeline to to dance on. So she's uh, she's here. She's here. And yeah. those of you who are on the call, um, 
when Phoenix, who did the voice for Lyrica, um, was our guest, and she channeled this this amazing information for Lyrica. Maybe most of you probably didn't know how significant that was, but I'm like sitting here, like, oh my god, this is like a, the story is happening in real time. And uh, you know, Gail and I chatted a little bit about that afterwards, and we weren't quite sure how to sit with with that and then it sounds like uh this more recent download so to say starting to solidify a little bit right gail how do you see it moving forward how do you see it sort of coming into um the next mission so to say i think that's i, I think that's for lyrica but for lyrica, also, yeah. hands up in the audience i hate to not give them a time to to ask but um okay yeah we'll we'll jump in right, right after this um i am still hovering between the worlds. I am so vastly working day and night um, in all the outer planes. I have a team of very high cosmic creators working with Earth's ascension process. And here is where I really mm -hmm. feel I can impact in a new and, and powerful way. And, and I think the way she described it to me was that um, this totality is really operating as one light field that's just sort of forever beaming its goodness and, and grace down to earth. Mm. Um, but because she is so um, embodied and still at this moment here, um, she's able to kind of help bring that beautiful stream even maybe deeper into the earth um, arena and the earth plane um and um but that's where that's her other fun box that she's forever involved in and, oh. and um and keeps her energized and excited and um makes life interesting and it used to be just at night she would do this but now she's doing it night and day and she could be doing her most difficult hike hike out at Aerie and um and still be up there doing all that just as vibrantly as she does at night which you know confounds the human part of us i think just to really quick so this topic of embodied and i'm i'm still it's sort of like going over my head still a little bit um susie had mentioned it as well um per, can you share with with us this idea lyrica is definitely more present here and less distractions and she's able to do much more physically. Is that what oh. is the embodiment or is that just a, a part of it? Can you explain what is the embodiment process and how does that, um, how does that work? Simply it's um, the outcome of my ascension process, unifying the totality of my non-physical essence into the totality of my physical earth body so that it operates as a seamless cosmic earth universal generator and the cosmic informs the earth which means it's going to be very source connected empowered directed and and that allows all this creation to, she talks about to be more physicalized here on planet earth and and really um you know the old ascension story used to be hey you know, Jesus died and ascended. Well, now because of all the light on the planet, um, what's what happens now? Everyone can 
do their ascension process mm. while still in their body and still alive, still living. And that's um, a big part of the story of, of our um, book too. It, um, right. And, and it's it matches up with what many of the channelers and uh, extra dimensional beings coming through have been saying is we're going through this massive upgrade on planet Earth here. And it's almost like uh, the nonverbals are the uh, frontline troopers going in to make the connections and bring them down here. And I think what's also, uh, just a real quick, and I think we really need to give people time to say something. <laughs> okay. um, but part of that unification um, is demonstrated, actually, um, some of these younger um, kids coming in that are still on this spectrum. Um, they come in with this ability they call hyperlexic where, you know, we have to go to school. And I remember my days, Dick and Jane and Sally and all the stuff we had to go through to, to learn how to read or do math and all that. Well, they come in um, and they're really able to kind of read whatever. And even even these typers that, that, you know, learn how to type, but they haven't really been to school like, you know, the rest of us have. It's because they're so connected to the vastness um, that they can tap into the Akashic records. They can tap into the quantum field. So whatever they don't know or need to know, it just, and particularly in the moment, if it's, if it's aligned with their purpose and what they're doing, um, it just, it just becomes part of them. They don't have to, you know, go through this laborious, um, step-by-step process of trying to gain skills and abilities. Um, they just have them all. And even the ones they don't have, if they need them, they just go in the quantum field and God's source universe just, you know, sends everything else that they need to complete whatever they're needing to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, especially when you take the collective body of, of information that's being put through the show, that's why I thought Lyrica's story was so important. The nonverbal autistics, the, the story is a big part of this collective story that's being told through, you know, the extra dimensionals and the ETs and all, all of it. Absolutely makes sense. And also what a testimony showing us that we just have a, a few tweaks to make as a human race and collective before we, as, uh, you know, the non nonverbals um, are, can connect in this way and, and sort of have this, this access to this information, uh, as needed, right. The, so they, they have the access because they're not bogged down by the, 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 the what was the thick of Jane and Harry and all those other things that we've, the programming this we've been through. So, um, and they're, you know, they're typing on the board. They're getting this, this, this galactic information in a sense, channeling uh, in real time all the time. And uh, it just shows that, you know, with the small adjustments, us uh, programmed ones will be able to, to make the, uh, um, the shifts to, to, to get this information in. So am I disseminating that correctly? Yeah, and I think the last thing I say, the last thing you got, you're going to put a muzzle on me, but I'm yeah, excited and charged we got time, up. We got time. <laughs> but just think how much they must love us, because here they are as masters in the universe, right? They're 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 top of the food chain up there, and all of a sudden they get a tap from source that says, "Hey, Earth needs you. You want to go down? You're being called to Earth." And they go, "Sure, you know that I, I'd like to, you know, go help." And they say, "But catch twenty two, you have to go down without a speaking voice and in a body that doesn't work." And that is, and, and yet they love us so much that they agreed to do that, even though they're, and many of them are kind of not persecuted, but really mistreated. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a really tough road to go. And I have to give credit to Lyrica and her age soul group um, mm-hmm. because they were the first waivers. They came in yep. when the energy was really dense. Yeah. You know? And um, and they've had to really hold the line to let these younger ones come in a little bit more organized and, and all of humanity come in a little bit more cosmically organized. It's so fascinating how that, you know, you said the first waivers in that I think many can recognize that term from Dolores Cannon in her work with QHHT regressions and how we have different waves and densities and we're moving through it. And it's, it's, it's just fascinating how all the stories sort of merge into this greater collective story. And, and it, to me, it all makes sense. I, I, you know, I, I see, I see it all fitting together like a glove. Um, but okay. Now we could get to Cynthia's question. So lovely to be here with you guys. Um, I cried so much watching the episode with you guys last night. It was absolutely mm. amazing. Thank you. Um, I was hopping in because, you know, for me, what really started, even before I was aware that my spiritual journey was beginning, um, it started with my mental health journey and my diagnosis late in life as being autistic. And when I got that diagnosis and I got that confirmation, that was when I was able to turn back in on that trust on myself and, and just trusting that who I am and who I've been and what I've been doing has always been right. And I've always known that, you know, you, you grow up with those layers of like, like what we we're talking about, the programming, they strip that away, they pull that away. And, um, you know, j- just piggybacking off the things you were talking about, about how, you know, um being able to just have access to what you need to like writing for me that one I could always do I was writing all kinds of things when I when I was a child at a level of language that you know my parents didn't understand and things like that and and a lot of those went away for a few years um during I guess I would call the dentist densest parts of my life and um it just the synchronicity of all of this. I mean, even when I joined this group and we watched the first video that you guys had done of this group and you talked about Lyrica's video and and about autism and it's just so big and and I've cried so much and I know I'm supposed to be here and I'm so happy and just thank you all. Um, I I guess if I had a question at all, um, it would be to hear if it's fair to ask a little about being someone who is verbal, you know, I went through a lot of years of learning to mask and I'm now deprogramming those things out of me to just be that authentic self for people again. And you get projected on a lot when you're somebody who has learned to live as, I guess, even just a mirror. Like I said, people project what they want to see on you when you're not as able, willing, or whatever that aspect of it to, to show that part of yourself. So if, if you have any thoughts on that, and you too, Gail. Um, yeah, what a, what a beautiful sharing. Um, it's really, it's got me to tears. So, um, and I just want to say that I too um, received a diagnosis of autism, Asperger's late in life. So I totally have walked the path that you're walking. Um, and I had another early childhood event that was um, pretty dark. 
And um, so, yeah, I got I, I got shut down and and um, and I have to say it's Lyrica. I mean, in her soul group um, that have literally freed me and it's, it hasn't happened, you know, in a nanosecond. But um, but, you know, there, to be with her and, and be in frequency entrainment with her, you know, it's kind of like being in this um, healing vortex 24 seven. And, um, and then, then the wisdom in our first book, um, there's three co-writers in the autism book and, um, they write so, I'm sure it'd be like your early writings, very poetically, very symbolically, um, say very few words. And yet they transmit a frequency that just, um, you know, melts the paint on the wall. I mean, really, um, so it, uh, those are the things that, you know, when we can open our hearts, like you have obviously done and, um, and live by the heart, which is the only radar that works for us, um, and just um, go forth. And I, it looks like you're right on on track. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you so much. Uh, the The only thing that I I would like to piggyback on what you were just saying, uh, it, it kind of came to me is that you know um, we were talking about just just being just just being ourselves does so much and that idea of let's not worrying about being doctors and lawyers and things like that and I I feel so strongly like just even the joy that I have in this moment that I'm here and I'm supposed to be here it's not my job it's not my career it's not some kind of thing I'm trying to do and it's like those moments that we have are so powerful if we peel back the layers of everything that we've been taught we were supposed to be like when you peel back those layers you let these moments that from the outside look so small just be so big for you and and I appreciate that so much about this whole experience with all of you well, I have to say, um, um, probably walking a very parallel parallel life to you, when Lyrica was born at age 30, um, that's when my void was kind of filled, at least um, became very busy. And uh, and yet when I um, was, Lyrica and, and they're the three co-writers of that first book really became my first safe friends. Um, they in their presence, I could let down all these, all this armor, all these sort of, um, I guess, scales of, of protection that I had to keep my heart closed and, and, you know, go through life, but, you know, just kind of in this, this, you know, okay, I can get through this day. Um, but kind of de-arm all of that and, and in the stillness with them, just maybe hold their hand, guy gaze into their eyes. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I began to tap into who I really am. And um, it's, it just, it just loaded me into a frequency entrainment with them. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice. It's just, it's just, just talking about it. <laughs> and um, that's what started my spiritual awakening journey. So um, yeah, just, I totally get it. And, and to this day, Lyric and I, you know, in the past have been these light worker chargers, you know, this, this is our mission. We're doing this, we're doing that. <laughs> but the last six months, <clears throat> we stopped everything 
And all we have done is like meditate four hours a day and, and just exude the love that we are and to have fun and play and just be that human on earth in the highest vibratory way above 3D that we can be and, and forget the outer world in terms of defining us and, and really coming from that space um, that humans truly are. And, um, and now we realize that's, that's enough. That's, in fact, maybe that's the best of all. Just be that. And that's what you're doing. Yes, thank you. That's that very in resonant. Absolutely. Cool. Um, yep. When, what, what a world we're moving into where we can actually be ourselves. That's going to be so cool. I'm going to go get Lyric, see if I can get Lyric back. The computer interface kind of thing, even though we have no Wi-Fi here, we have, this house was completely de-plugged from any Wi-Fi and we, it's mm -hmm. totally, you know, it's been totally radionic paint and all kinds of stuff, but still sitting here very long, um, you know, sure. she gets, she gets that um, buzz. And so she's, she's kind of out, um, I guess, detoxing, but I should, I'll get, see if I get her back while you're. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, go, go get her. We'll, uh, we'll hold the floor. I have to down. unplug my microphone or I'm going to. Yeah. Don't, the don't take the computer with you. All right. Um, let me go back here. All right. So let's just kind of keep an eye on Yale. So, uh, Cara, I'll chime you in here and yeah. another synchronicity. So I know Cara through Michael, who I reached out to, um, you know, in, in, uh, we were, I had just finished sort of the latest interview with, with, um, Gail and Lyrica and, uh, we were wanting to reconnect with with Michael again and get some more testimony <laughs> and uh you guys drove all the way up from uh from where 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 again you're you're close to Indiana in Indiana right yeah we're in Indiana oh you are in Indiana okay and yeah uh, we were what were is about two hours away from where you were I think a few hours yeah we were there filming Bill and the Skull and um you got we got uh, uh Michael's testimony and you got to sit with the skull so you're kind of on the sidelines of this story a little bit Yes, I I'll was here. Very blessed to uh, get to be there for Michael's interview. Um, all right. Well, Garen, Gail and Lyrica are back. Yeah. Oh, it's so great to see you both. Uh, I very much enjoyed the part one. I was able to watch that yesterday. So it was really, really beautiful. And um. I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you both at some point. We were in discussion earlier this year, and we actually recorded an interview as well um, for my podcast. And, and then we decided we were going to redo it with Michael as well. Mm. We were going to redo it, and we need to go. We, and then that fell through. We, I take responsibility for that. So we will get that going again because I'm like, I'm so excited to, uh, to do that again. But um, in our interactions... When we were when we were kind of preparing for all of that, I know that I personally kind of felt one night after our connection that I was like something multidimensional was happening with Lyrica kind of in a with me, like in a higher plane that I could kind of just barely access, like that something was going on, but I had no details, but I just kind of sensed her presence. Um, which was really, really amazing. And it it makes me want to open the conversation that um, perhaps you and, and Michael, where'd you go, Michael? There you are. Um, 
I know that that you mm. talk about the potentiality for NBAs to interact with not not even interacting, but the support or the overlighting of uh, common society. So one of the things I think that Michael, you've talked about is like you know you have this dream that every corporation would be overlit by you know an NBA or 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 more, and um, that this could be you know a, a way to tap into that consciousness and let it be like a practical way that that we're we're working between NBAs and and common people um i don't know is if any if if anybody wants to explore that or kind of uh pull that thread a little bit but i find that opportunity or that potentiality really exciting michael yeah. you want to respond uh, sure um uh yeah it's one of the things that i noticed with uh mm. lyrica in terms of <laughs> And how much joy she gets out of what I might call like um, a psychic janitorial service. Uh, (laughs) Of of literally just kind of cleaning the up. And again, it comes down to patterning, but patterning um, the, the ethers or the etheric planes where thought processes are formed and tapped into and so within it's a yeah you know most of humanity is under the delusion that their thoughts are all original Mm. somehow they're sitting there thinking Mm. things up but they're not really and these thoughts are shared and so in in an environment such as a corporation especially if it's a place that uh, uh, is innovative or creative in some form or fashion would vastly be improved by having the presence of an NDA who's doing this patterning work that's going to lead to breakthroughs and being able for the employees that work there being able to to then tap into these higher creative uh, ideas that come in the form of patterns. Hmm. And so this would be, you know, how to, I just need to prove it. Yeah. Oh, right you know there, right? so many of the so much of this stuff is like oh this is totally epic and i can't prove it um you know we they've done some interesting studies with uh like monks group meditating in terms of reducing crime rates in certain places and there's more and more research being done on altered states of consciousness and so Bit by bit, brick by brick, we're bringing pieces together that's going to eventually pop, hopefully, into this um, um, into this next chapter where uh, where this is a real possibility that um, NVAs could find themselves uh, being employed um, all over the world in um, all kinds of institutions and organizations, and then. At, adding their consciousness to those group organizational consciousness that would be really exciting wow Lyrica, what do you have to say about that i adore michael's idea <laughs> and why haven't we done it yet 
And we were talking about doing some collaboration in this in this work. So maybe in the future. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um, uh, just to sort of piggyback, Kara, uh, uh, on your on, on on what you were saying um, about working with you know lyric in Dreamtime. Probably for me, I you know I've been in front of the editing and been hearing the messages and edit, moving them around, you know, all that st stuff, but. I would wake up in the middle of the night, yeah. um, maybe in editing hot flashes. I don't know what's going on here, but but uh, but I would <laughs> whatever something like it's just really strange. Like I would wake up really quick and and you know in exhaustion, uh, mm -hmm. but also uh, knowing that I was having uh, some sort of I guess experience or psychic talk with with Lyrica, and I couldn't recall the the dream um a hundred percent i sort of shared with gail i was like i think lyric is like helping guide some of this because um i keep having dreams where i know she's there so there's definitely that going on you know for for me and and editing these episodes and and gail and i've been she's been very open with her time and and we've catch ball back and forth and like oh, how about this and this and she's you know we've been kind of editing this together and lyrica too you know giving her input yeah don't like that no let's do this and, you know so it's it's been ni a nice collaboration um that i don't always get with all the episodes and then also receiving it however it's getting received in the dream time experience you know ruben it's kind of interesting that um um a lot of times after people read one or the, one of the other books, um, I'll get a, a message back, you know, that, that Lyrica did visit them in Dreamtime. And of course, some of them have some, um, some you know, pretty specific experiences. Uh, and then I'll ask Lyrica about it. And she's, she just says, Mom, I'm so many places. I'm everywhere all the time. And so she mm -hmm. really doesn't have um, recall of, you know, specifically um, visiting or um, interacting at night with um, a particular person. So I think it's coming from, you know, the heart connection that, that somebody gets with Lyrica at some point, and then that opens the, the gateway, the doorway um, for them to access, tap into Lyrica in some way that is maybe helpful or beneficial. Um, yeah. Yeah. I encourage everybody tap into the Lyrica heart energy. <laughs> So uh, maybe soon we'll have nonverbal corporate, um, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, advisors. Um, Kim, would you like to hop in for a quick question? Sure. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Hi, Lyrica. <laughs> I just wanted to say how inspiring your work is and just your experiences are. And... Uh, I've been vibrating, my whole body's been vibrating since I saw the episode yesterday, the first episode. And I even uh, texted Ruben and I was just like, oh my gosh, this was so amazing. Um, so uh, when Lyrica describes her um, uh, being connected and being everywhere at once, I, that really resonated with me um, because it reminded me of um, my awakening experience. And um, I got a hit before I came on to open up the Zoom today. And the hit was that our DNA is a wormhole. Wow. And uh, I, I actually, it, it, it's been in my head 
for quite some time. I read it uh, in a book um, called The Gene Keys. And when I read that sentence, my whole body began to vibrate. And, uh, and it's so when Lyrica was talking about her experiences and how she goes and she, she travels and she's everywhere, she can be everywhere, anytime. And so clearly that is, the, you know, the quantum field of all possibilities. She's in that zero point field. Um, at any rate, um, I am asking because we're, we live in such 3D and we all, we want to make sense of everything. And I'm still trying to make sense of, of that experience. But in terms of ascension, what are some steps that we, as you know, clearly we go back and forth from 3D into 5D, but how, what are some great steps that we can take that, um, that can take us to that experience uh, again to, to, you know, what are some ascension steps that she can recommend uh, tools that we can sort of take on she's saying for us it's strongly grounded in our meditation practices um that's where we really together what go into kind of the oneness zone and and um and uh, i have to say when we have we, we meditate like maybe two hours in the morning and and it's a very physical as well as um um heart kind of um stillness kind of um oneness kind of experience and um mm-hmm. and when we come out of it it's like um um it, it's like we're in a di- totally different space and we just at that point we just sort of flow through our day we say butterfly to the flower day um where we just kind of don't have an agenda list and we just um you know, go to the next flower to see what's what's next. Um, and I don't know if that that's um, helpful or not. Um, it actually is. When I had my awakening, I was in a meditation uh, when it happened. So that's just you're validating what I probably are. We, ha- we have another practice. You want to talk about the other practice we do in the morning? You know how people um, get up, and I think it's a very sacred practice, get up and watch the sunrise. Um, we don't seem to be have that biological clock. We're kind of on Lyrica's circadian rhythm, and that, that's my rhythm is her rhythm. But So we've, we've instituted instead something we call dawning the day. So when we wake up, uh, we don't go look to sit in the dawn. We dawn the day ourselves, so we create the day. And it starts, um, I used to have this wonderful experience of sort of climbing back into Lyrica's bed. And... Um, <laughs> We do this sort of uh, snuggle bunny um, um, kind of cuddle bug sort of experience where we just are touching each other, eye gazing, maybe even cooing a little bit, um, smiling, laughing. And sometimes Lyrica um, just gently takes my hair like this and just very lovingly just caresses it. And I think it's probably the most adoring physical thing that she does. And... um, but we're in that sort of cocoon state, you know, for 20, 30 minutes. And sometimes we just even go to sleep and have another nap together. And, um, but when we come out of that, again, it's like coming out of the meditation, you know, we're in this love bubble and this vibratory higher frequency um, state. And it just, it colors our entire day from there. And um, I don't know if that's interesting, but that's part of our life, a glimpse into our life. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Kim. Uh, Vegan Dust, you want to hop in for a question? 
Uh, hi, Lerica. Uh, I have a question uh, for you about uh, uh, emotions, about uh, sadness. Uh, I have I have these uh, intense waves. I don't know where they come from, but uh, uh, suddenly I feel so so overwhelmed, uh, like sadness, loneliness, like mixed mixed up. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> Uh, like uh, to not to be afraid to be in this body at these times. What what are the best practices to uh, to cope with that? I don't probably have a terrific answer. Mom and I create our. Play and fun and games inside whatever we're doing. And that seems to, um, what does that do, Lyrica? That gives us a way to transmute the mundane, like grocery shopping, I guess, uh, into a high adventure. And that's, I guess, going back to Michael, that's a lot of maybe the imagination of of taking a situation or a moment or a feeling or an emotion and, you know, maybe, um, you know, throwing some other, um, what can I say? What would you throw into those emotions? Throw, sprinkle, fairy dust. And I, I don't know about that, but I don't know how accessible that is. <laughs> sprinkle in um, a heart to say, I feel this sadness and I love I'm sending love to whatever its location is and I promise to Remember the sadness, but that's not who I really am. So I choose to ground more deeply into my body and bring my light in to chase away the clouds. And I know, like, you know, some people have practices like the breathing practices to kind of bring that higher. I, I mean, the way it was described to me is most of us walk around with our our higher self, our non-physical self kind of floating over our head, you know, and that's why these bodies operate as kind mm -hmm. of um, autotrons out of control many times. But, you know, if, whatever we can do to bring those they're causing her soul bubbles to bring those into the physical body and really ground them way down deep into the pelvic um, area, the the womb area or the the pelvic area for men. Um, that really helps unify um, those two aspects of ourselves and bring them into one, and and that's where we can more easily operate um, as the person that we are. If that makes any sense, I don't know. I don't think that was very helpful. <laughs> well, yeah. How about that? 
the beginning of the lesson. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it's, uh, I felt the energetic answer. So it, it guides me to that direction. Yeah, I do something like that myself, but it's so, so difficult at times that I'm just unable to withstand that intensity. We're sending you a real big fat hug because you, you know, you, you present as someone who has, um, some of that, the, the good qualities of the, the autism spectrum, um, that, that sensitivity, um, that, that very vulnerability, um, and you obviously have chosen the path to be here, um, as you are, where you are, how you are. And so there's, there's definitely, um, an opportunity for living that in in a in a fuller way, and and I wish you well on that journey. And I know you're obviously on it because you're on these calls and you're really seeking, and and um, that's where I think we all are. Michael, Beautiful. yeah, my, Michael, uh, you got your hand up. Let's let you pop, pop in. Yeah, here. if you don't mind, if I just chime in with yeah, like one kind of key thing is. Uh, to ask yourself a question, is it mine? And mm. if you know what uh, a yes feels like to you and listening to your own intuition to then just discern, is this yours or is this part of the collective? And if it's part of the collective, the reason you're feeling it is because you're signed up for service to the whole. And so you are, are feeling that way because you're capable of processing it. And just that one thought, once you recognize that it's not yours and that you're doing this, you're processing this emotion on behalf of others, um, something kind of magical switches inside mm -hmm. and all of a sudden there's this, all this support uh, to actually process that through. And it's, it's, not, it's not painful to do so. But just. Yeah. Beautiful. Well said. Uh, I, I, I concur. A big uh, teaching for me too is, is sort of asking that question. Um, uh, how does it serve me? Right. Does that, does feeling this emotion from the collective, how does it serve me? It's sort of like asking, is it mine? It's, is it, is it serving or is it not? And if it's not, you know, if it's not serving me or the collective or anything, uh, let it go. I know easier said than done, obviously, but, um, but yeah, Michael put it beautifully. Sophia, you want to join in this conversation? Hi. Um, hello. hello. Um, I just wanted to ask a question regarding, um, sort of how important it is to be in particular locations on the planet to be doing this sort of grid or light grid work that you're doing. Like you spoke a lot about your proximity to Thunder Mountain and how you were called to be in a certain place, how, you know, limiting or enhancing can it be to be in a certain place in the planet to do this, this sort of patterning and grid work? How important is it or can we do it remotely? Lyrica saying, great question. I have lots of experience with that. Um, Sedona is my territory. Of great freedom and power. 
We were also called to Asheville, North Carolina for a couple of years to experience another vortex. Um, and for us, it was kind of like Sedona's maybe more the masculine and, and Asheville is more kind of the feminine, but we needed the, we needed those two, um, experiences that were similar, but, but very different. And then we had to, what's the next part? And then we had to go back to a small town in Arizona, um, for what personal reasons and things that had to be done. Life chapters had to be closed, my life chapters. And we were there for a little over a year. And, um, um, it was, we felt suffocated energetically. It was, um, this was kind of a town, town of ropers and miners. And, um, it was just like in the desert. I mean, deserts are wonderful, but you know, in the desert of, of, um, nothing to, nothing to hold us there or fill us there or support us there. I, my life in Wickenburg was awful. Um, and then the, the minute we turned to, to Sedona, um, I mean, everything opened up, um, in, in Technicolor and, <laughs> and the microphone came on and the trumpets blared and, um, you know, we were home. So for us, that location is really important. Um, but I think people are certainly capacitated. Um, Michael's a, a good example. You know, he's been in Indiana, left, left the, his grid points and, um, it's taken him a while, but he's finally opened up the Indiana grid to be just as powerful and connecting to that. So it's definitely possible. It's just maybe, what is it? A little bit more work or, or, um, I'm not sure what the formula is, but that's a good question. Where do you live? Uh, I live in Wales in the UK. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Is that, how is the vibration there? Um, it's an interesting mix. I think in, I'm in, um, in the South Wales Valleys, which is a big mining area. In some ways, there's probably a lot of damage. There's energy here, but then there's also, you know, we were speaking about dragons a few weeks ago. I've encountered a couple of dragons. And that just made awesome. It was a big wow. surprise for me, yeah, um, being here. So, the, yeah, there's... Yeah, there's some beautiful things, and I think there's probably a bit of a bit of work that needs to be done. But I, I don't know. I get I've moved all over the world, and I, I think maybe things are happening that I didn't understand. And I go back now, and I'm you know before my spiritual awakening or whatever you want to call it, that's probably doing some work without understanding it. But I think I get a bit personally a bit confused about whether or not you just meant to go and visit somewhere and do something, or if you meant to be there more long term and about the whole idea of of settling down in a particular physical space, because obviously I'm Australian and not Welsh and I've lived all over the place, but it's hardly of trying to find a sense of, you know, how much it matters about where you live as to the work that you're doing, this type of work or development. Yeah. Awesome. I think Michael, I I was just going to say, Michael, he knows a lot about this subject, so uh, I'm going to have him chime in. Uh, one of the things that was pretty notable while I was in Sedona is that, uh, you know, 90% or more of the, the people that are called to Sedona are only there to temporary, um, for anywhere from a few days to a few weeks. And it's important to, to, 
these various different sacred sites around the world where the energies and vortexes are there. Um, they're mostly there to visit, to get your, your uh, you know, to, to get mm -hmm. activated and upgraded, and then uh, to take that and then go spread the light somewhere where it's needed. And, you know, actually, unfortunately, a number of people, they, they may fall in love with like Sedona, for example, and stay way longer than they're supposed to. They think that they're supposed to be there, but they're not. And um, there's there, what we really need more than anything is to spread the wealth all over, all around the planet. So it sounds like you already have visited a number of sites. And if, certainly if you're in the UK, I hope you've been over to Stonehenge. Um, but these are places, you know, go to these places and the, the only reason why you, you wouldn't, um, uh, if you're, if you're not, if you're not at peace or comfortable in your current ge uh, geography is to be open to going mm. somewhere where you are and eventually you will be guided there. Beautiful. Thank you, Michael. Get yeah. over there. It's it's really been uh, fascinating the, the, to see the evolution of um, the show, and especially in season three, we have you know Ron that does the grid grid work, the work that we're doing with the crystal skull, uh, Bill taking it around and sort of taking it to these spots that he's feeling guided to, and it's you know just setting it there to do some kind of energetic something, and then. Um, you know, and then the, the uh, talking with Michael and how he, you know, their him and uh, Lyrica and Gail, their journey to to get the the magic sand, I think is what you said, Michael, um, to to create the pyramids. Um, this it's just I've been coming across so many people. I know a guy Rob who uh, sold his house and bought a um, a Sprinter van and decked it out and. All he does is he drives around um, the, the United States, um, letting the crystals talk to him. And he, he uh, picks up crystals that he's told to pick up. And then he moves them around mm -hmm. and goes to different places. And then he'll be, just be driving on the street. And then his crystal will say, oh, I want to go there. So then he'll go and he'll move it over there. I mean, this is like, I'm like. And you're not getting paid for this. It's like, no, I just do it because I, I can and I'm being guided. And there's so there's these people uh, that are being guided to do this um, transference of crystals and energy and sand. And, you know, however, you know, it doesn't have to be a physical object either. But uh, I think gridding the planet, it's it's a thing. Like right? you could actually put it on the checklist of, of things uh, that people do. Um, and we're just now feeling safe enough perhaps to talk about it. I think people have been doing it a long time. I just, uh, we just haven't been able to have the dialogue around it. All right. Well, let's, let's, uh, Charmaine hop in there. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to, uh, respond to what, uh, the question that us had in the response of my ah. Lyrica and, um, uh, and just, uh, gratitude for, for that question and, and naming those pieces. And I, I really like what you said to Michael about like, checking in is that mine and it feels like there's most of the people on the call here you know are probably similar in the way that um we're very sensitive to the world around us and so there's so much energy moving um 
it can feel super intense at times. And it's nice to like, it feels good to spread the light, spread the love, but there's also this piece of holding that darkness. Um, and for me, what I've noticed, and uh, I'm especially grateful for this community too, right? It's like an opportunity to connect with others where just naming pieces sometimes spreads or, or lessens the intensity of that darkness and those dark feelings by sharing them. But oftentimes it feels like we're not supposed to share those pieces. We're only supposed to share the light. So um, I'm really mm. grateful for that. Uh, and then uh, what uh, Gail, what you had mentioned earlier, what you had mentioned about, you know, coming back to the mundane, something that's uh, been super effective for me is, um, uh, well, just recognizing that sometimes it feels like uh, things are out of control. There's so much going on, so many energies. And so to create control in my world, uh, I've been making ice. When things feel right out of control, I'll take water, put it in the ice cubes and put it in the freezer. And it just gives me in the next day, I have ice cubes. And I just feel like, wow, I made that. I'm totally in control of making my ice as long as my refrigerator and freezer is working. But it's it's often just these really subtle, uh, small things that we can get, con we, we can feel in control of. Um, but yeah, I'm grateful uh, for for that being named. Just those senses of overwhelming sadness that I too have felt um, being connected to the collective uh, and how important community is. So thanks to all of you who are here today and sharing. And thanks, Ruben, and for putting it all together. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I think for me, the part of the sadness is there is a collective sadness. But for me, I've noticed a big part of the sadness is letting go of the old world, right? There's a lot of joys and good times that, uh, that we've experienced individually from, from the paradigm that we've, you know, we've been born into and created in our you know, families and struggles and, and, and all that stuff. And I feel a big part of the sadness is the knowing that it's not going to be the same, uh, that, the, that we're, you know, which is good because we're a lot of that heavy energy, we're not going to have to deal with that anymore, but there were a lot of good times that came. So I think mm. maybe honoring the good times and things and just knowing that, okay, it, it's good. It's okay to let it go. Uh, we're, it's going to come up in a new form in a new way. And this is part of the process, the new, the new world we're moving into. Um, has equally, if not greater possibilities and opportunities and great things to come um, and just new forms and new packages that we just don't know yet. We haven't, we're still yet to discover. Mark, do you have your hand up? Okay, you can hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm on the run. I can actually in and out. I've missed a lot of this, uh, but it is resonating a lot. I, I believe that it's my understanding that a lot of the early people are like us or the way showers, but it is part of the thing that we end up doing it from collective consciousness to helping to, to clean up the energy. So we do end up cleaning up more than just our own. And me personally, I know that I've done a lot of work, like not into this current lifetime of processing negative energy, but like a bunch of lifetimes. And I also liked what was said about Asheville. My wife and I, we were called here 
few years ago, and and it does very much seem like don't have healthy. But uh, so my my question, and this may have been answered as a basic question, but I was curious if the nonverbal, I mean the regular autism, if they're very similar and they're also largely multidimensional, uh, but maybe not as dimensional uh, as the nonverbal autism. Um, the difference between the ends of the spectrum is what she's saying, like the Asperger end versus the nonverbal end, um, is um, the level of incarnation um, chosen at birth. We are lightly incarnated to never yeah to never income yeah to never lose our connection to source um so we are multidimensional by nature and earth dwellers by i guess experience um mom is asperger and um she is much more incarnated so she was not as dimensionally open and it's been a journey for her to reconnect at that level but the point is everyone on the planet right now is is multi-dimensional and um we're just all in different um our feet are all in different places and, and where we stand in that um, awakening and in, in that um, level of access. Um, so it's really hard to, to generalize, I think. Um, but the autism spectrum and the whole human spectrum of, of people that are sensitive um, is all what is changing this planet and creating the ascension story. So every single part is... Um, equally important, you know, the Lyrica is more able to to access the higher dimensions, but her group is less able to bring it down. And um, those on the more embodied or the more incarnated side of the spectrum um, can bring it down, but maybe aren't as um, um, one thousand percent connected to to their multidimensional. And I don't think that's a very good answer. So let somebody else. <laughs> No, I was just going to tired. I think I'm getting tired. Yeah, we'll wind it down here. I think both in you, you and Lyric have been quite troopers on this one um, <laughs> in many ways. But, um, you know, it's it's kind of it's the way I see it is I, I feel like we're all superheroes, like everybody's a superhero and they don't know it. Um, and when you can start to recognize, you know, your unique uh, abilities and connections and you know whether trust that superhero guidance and and um and follow the mission you know whatever that is uh, obviously uh, so one thing that I, especially with this particular uh, subject and perhaps future episodes um i we're going to open up a new section a behind the scenes section on the members page and uh, i have a lot of videos like susie's interview uh and other past interviews that didn't make the final cut, so to say, for, for this particular, these two episodes. But I'm going to open up that 
and uh, create a space that we can continue the conversation. This is an ongoing story that's going to be, uh, it's constantly evolving and being told. Um, Adele and, uh, and all of the work she's doing with Sedona the Horse and, uh, and the Crystal Skulls. Like, there's so many things that are just constantly being updated and moving. So again, using the platform to, to do that. And we're creating a new section that'll be updating mm. some of the uh, unseen behind the scene footage of this journey. So stay tuned. Uh, and thank you very much. Thank you, Gail Lyrica, for again, for your patience, <laughs> for taking so long to, for me to tell this story <laughs> and to, to do, get our interview out and, and for your constant um, generosity with your time and, and energy and, and, and trying to tell this story. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week. Lots of things. Stay tuned. Keep checking the uh, the chats and the dashboard and uh, lots of new updates coming. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you like this interview. We actually do this every week on my membership portal page. You can access it through interviewwithed.org or uh, click on the link uh, somewhere in here. I'll put a link and uh, come over and join us. You too can ask questions. Every week we have new special guests and you get to ask questions directly to the channelers and to the beans that they channel. So see you in the portal.